and all the guys smile. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us today at all our churches online. We are so glad to have all of you. As we're wrapping up a series where we've kind of built it around this question, and that is this, what breaks your heart? In other words, what is it that bothers you so much that you just can't get away from it? What is it that you're so passionate about that if you were given the power to change it, that would be the one thing that you change? Like, what is it that keeps you up at night? See, here's the thing. When you figure out the answer to this question here, what breaks your heart, it has the potential to change everything for you. And here's why. Because what it does is it moves you from thinking that life is about you to finding a more significant purpose that is way beyond you. But here's the other thing you need to know about this question, what breaks your heart, and that is this. It is a very dangerous, it is a very disruptive, and it is a very disturbing question. Because here's the thing, if you act on this question, it's going to cost you some life. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some dreams. It maybe is even going to cost you some comfort. See, here's the thing about it. It will require you to let go of some successes. It will require you to let go of some failures. It will require you to let go of some regrets and even some excuses. That's why we said last week that you are one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. Don't, Don't miss that. You're one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. But here's the thing, making that anything but average kind of commitment, what it requires is it requires big, bold faith to step over the edge into extraordinary. And here's the thing, as we talked about last week, that's, so, that's where so many of us, where we turn back because we would rather hold on to what's comfortable right here than to trust God and to commit to following him into the uncertainty and the unknown. In fact, stop and think about this. Have you ever had an experience in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, where you felt like that God was asking you to make a change, to help solve a problem, maybe to be more generous, to give more time to serve, or have a conversation with someone, to change jobs even for less pay, and your first thought was, I can't do that. I mean, you got to be kidding, God. There's no way that's going to work. Well, here's the thing you need to understand. If you've ever felt that, That's normal because the truth is, is God will never ask you to do anything that you can do on your own. Don't miss that. God will never ask you to do anything that you can do on your own because see, that wouldn't require you to have faith. That wouldn't grow big, bold faith. In fact, the whole point of everything that God does in our life, don't miss this point, but the whole point of everything that God does in our lives is to help us know him better and help us to trust him more. And the reason that is so important, because if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll begin to discover what breaks your heart And you'll begin to discover what God wants to do through you. And then you'll commit to doing that. But after you run into a few obstacles, what will happen is you'll give up. Because your faith will not be big enough. And your faith, it won't be bold enough. See, and what will happen in those moments when you face obstacles of knowing what God wants to do through you 
is you'll forget that what God wants to do through you, there's something even bigger that he wants to do in you. There's something bigger than accomplishing that goal of what he wants to do through you. See, this is about coming to know God in a much deeper, more personal kind of way. And what will happen is you'll let the difficulties derail the work that God wants to do in and through you because you don't have big, bold faith. So the question is, how do you have big faith when you get to the point that things get really, really tough? Like, how do you make sure that you don't miss out because you're like too scared or maybe you're too self-centered to trust God? How do you do that? Well, today, what we want to do is we want to teach you a prayer that I think will help prepare you for those moments. When, when you know the answer to the question, what breaks your heart, when you know that and you know what God wants to do through you, how do you have that kind of faith? Well, through this prayer, I think it will prepare you for this moments because this prayer, what it will do is it will build anything but average kind of faith in you the longer that you pray it. So what we're going to do is we're going to introduce it to you. And to do that, we're going to go all the way back to the first century. And let me just kind of give you some background and the situation around this prayer. It's only been a few weeks since Jesus has left the earth. And suddenly his followers, they're doing all these extraordinary kind of things. They have gone, been gone from these guys who have been scared and afraid right before Jesus is going to, be or going to be crucified to now they're doing all these extraordinary bold things. But the thing you have to understand, behind all of these extraordinary bold things that they're doing, behind of all of that is the power of prayer. Because here's the thing you're going to discover if you look at their prayers. They did not pray tiny, trivial kind of prayers. No, the prayers they prayed, they were big and they were bold, and those prayers were absolutely selfless. Their prayers were anything but average kind of prayers that helped them know not only what makes their heart break, but also helped them understand what breaks God's heart and it helped them to act on it and do what God wanted them to do. In fact, one of these prayers, it is recorded by, or for us, by one of the disciples by the name of Luke who gave an account of the early church. And he also wrote the book of, he wrote the book of Luke or what we call the book of Luke. And he also gave the account of the early church in a book that he wrote called Acts. In fact, Luke tells us this story in his account in the book of Acts of Peter and John which were two of Jesus' closest disciples, they are now at this point the leaders in the first church in Jerusalem. And what happens is, is one afternoon, they're headed to the temple in Jerusalem to meet with some other believers to pray. Well, on their way to the temple to pray, they see a man at the gate who cannot walk, and he's starting to ask for money. But instead of giving him money, they look at this man and they say, hey, we have no silver or gold to give you, but in the name of Jesus Christ, we want you to get up and walk. And to everybody's amazement, this man gets up and walks. So this guy, as you can imagine, he is all excited. And he starts running around and he creates this scene and he follows Peter and John into the temple and he draws all this attention to himself from the crowd because everybody recognizes this guy who is the guy at the gate. 
because he was there at the gate every day. And it's amazing if you really stop and think about it. He could have even been sitting at the gate when Jesus was on the earth because this is only a few weeks later. And maybe Jesus walked by and did not heal him, but now Peter and John go by and they heal him. I mean, imagine the stir this made. But suddenly he's walking. And they want to know what happened. So Peter, he sees this as an opportunity, and he basically begins to preach a sermon explaining how Jesus healed this man, and here's what it means to follow Jesus. Now, now you got to remember, Peter is saying all of this stuff about Jesus' power healing this man, so for him to talk about Jesus in the temple, it is like a slap in the face to all these religious leaders, because think about it, they're the ones who just orchestrated Jesus' death, and they're the ones who thought putting Jesus to death would end all this talk about Jesus, so as Peter's talking about this, they're getting very, very, very angry. So they decide they're going to arrest Peter and John, and they throw them in, in jail or prison overnight, and next morning they bring Peter and John in and and they begin to interrogate them and so they ask them like who gave you the authority to come in the temple and and who gave you the authority to heal this man and who gave you the authority to talk about Jesus and here's the thing that we can't understand because we know how the story of Acts ends but they didn't I mean we can't imagine how dramatic a moment this was for Peter and John I mean, Peter and John, think about this. They are standing before the very men who had crucified Jesus just weeks before this. And they don't get to read Acts. They don't know how the story ends. They have to live the book of Acts. And as far as they know, these men will kill them just like they did Jesus. Now, for just a moment, I want you to imagine what you would do. What would you do? If you were standing in front of the same men who killed Jesus just weeks before, and they're threatening you with your life. I'm afraid to say that too many of us, we, we probably might just try to figure out how we're going to tone things down or try to ease our way out of the trouble. But here's the thing. When they questioned Peter and John, Peter looks back at them and says, hey, Jesus Christ, you can read this in the book of Acts, that Jesus Christ, the one you crucified, the one that God raised from that empty tomb down the street just a couple weeks ago, the one that, that's the one that gave us the authority. In fact, he says, you better tell God that you are sorry that you killed his son and you need to start following him. Now, here's the thing. As Peter says this, I'm sure John, he's kind of probably over on the side like, oh my goodness, Peter's kind of getting in their face, and he's thinking, this is probably not going to end too well. We're probably going to end up like Jesus. But, but Luke tells us that when these men, they see the courage of Peter, they are absolutely astonished, and they cannot deny that a miracle has just happened. I mean, that guy that has been healed, he's still celebrating the temple, probably high-fiving everybody. You know, man, look at me. I've been sitting there for years, and now look at this. So instead of killing them and risking this uprising from the people, what they do is they threaten them, and they said, if you talk about Jesus anymore, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be imprisoned, you're going to be killed. And here's the thing. It doesn't phase Peter. He goes, you do what you want to do, but we can't stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. 
And so they let him go because they don't know what to do with him. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4. And this is where we find their life-changing prayer. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 4. And that's where we're going to pick up. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, here's the thing. Before we read this prayer, I want you just to stop and put yourself in their shoes. After going through what Peter and John has just gone through, where they're being threatened with their life, if they talk about Jesus anymore, what would you be praying? What do you pray when you're trying to do what God wants you to do and you have all kind of trouble that gets in your way and you have all kind of obstacles that you're facing, what do you do? Well, here's what I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see that they prayed very differently than most of us pray. See, this prayer that they are about to pray, it is an incredible anything but average kind of prayer. It's, kind of, it's the kind of prayer that just pushes you beyond the edge of your comfort and into a faith zone. It takes you out of your comfort zone and to stepping out and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. It's the kind of prayer that people pray when they want to keep trusting God and obeying God and demonstrating bold faith no matter what comes their way. So I want us to read this prayer and I'm going to explain it. And then what I'm going to do is kind of teach you how that you can use this prayer in your life every day to build your faith. So let's notice the prayer. Here's what they pray. Sovereign Lord. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Sovereign Lord, they say, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And then they quote a prophecy about Jesus that David wrote in Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And then they go on. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they're saying that they fulfilled this prophecy. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. In other words, Jesus, we know that David wrote this about Jesus, our Messiah. This prophecy that David wrote, it came true. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they carried it out. So we know that his death, God, it was part of your plan. Go to verse 28. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Literally, God, you predicted all of this was going to happen. In fact, David wrote about it. Don't miss this, because this is so, so important for understand, us to understand. What they understood, and what we need to understand, is that none of Jesus' circumstances, and none of your circumstances, or none of my circumstances, are a surprise to God. That's what they're saying to God. God, none of the circumstances that happened to Jesus, none of the circumstances that are happening to us, they're a surprise to God. God isn't caught off by any difficulty that you face in life. He knew it was coming. And he plans to use it in your life just like he planned to use it in Jesus' life. 
But I'm telling you, that is so important to remind ourselves of sometimes, isn't it? You know why? Because whenever our world kind of starts crumbling around us or it feels that way, we tend to forget this. And our faith, it begins to waver. So they spend the first part of their prayer reminding themselves that God is sovereign, that he is in control. They remind themselves of who God is and that he has all the answers. And then they start asking God for what they need. Go to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and what would you add to this prayer if you were praying this? Now, Lord, consider their threats and imagine that you're in their shoes. How would you be praying? How would you finish this prayer? I mean, I'm praying, God, consider the threats and please help us. God, protect us. Bless us, God. Be with us, God. God, consider the threats, and hey, maybe God, you remember that thing you said, vengeance is yours, you'll repay? You know, God, consider their threats and get some revenge on those arrogant men up there at the temple. I mean, they killed the Messiah, and did you see what they're trying to do to us as well? Like, God, we're trying to do everything that you told us to do, so keep us safe and help us keep doing that. Or at least, you know, let me sell my house and get out of this state because, you know, it's not safe anymore. That's not so true for our state, but anyhow, you know what I'm saying. And that kind of how we do, we just kind of run, you know, when something doesn't work for us. But that's not what they prayed. Listen to this, back to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great, everybody say this word with me, I'm going to get to it again. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, we're uncertain about the future, God. We're very uncertain about the future because our lives have been threatened. We understand their threats, and we understand the danger of the situation, but we don't want our faith to fail. We don't want to stop doing what you have called us to do. So would you please, God, help us remember who you are, that you are sovereign, that you're in control, and then... Would you give us the boldness to do exactly what you tell us to do, no matter what it costs us, even if it costs us our lives? Now, I'm telling you, that is big, bold prayer of kind of faith praying, isn't it? And here's the thing. We don't hear those kind of prayers very much coming out of our lips very often. But here's the thing. This is how the first followers prayed all through the book of Acts. Now, go on to verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal. And you go, wait just a minute. That's just what got you thrown in jail. That's why they're threatening your life, because you healed somebody. And they're going, yeah, we understand that, but we want God to keep showing his power. And he goes on. He says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, God, we want you to do what only you can do. We want your power to be so evident and so on display that nobody questions who is responsible for what is happening. That nobody questions when there's healings that happen or supernatural things that happen that it's you, Jesus. So you do whatever supernatural thing you want to do, God, so that everybody knows that there is a God and that he loves them and that he cares about them. Now here's the thing. At the end of this prayer, it just stops right here. It just stops. God, 
We just want the name of your holy servant, Jesus, to be displayed. And then we go, what happens with their prayer? Well, the next verse gives us proof that their prayer was answered. Go to verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting, it was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So that's one sign of the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you speak the word of God boldly. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. And that's important because unity is evidence of God's power at work in our lives through his Holy Spirit's power. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had because no strings attached generosity is another evidence of the Holy Spirit power at work in our lives. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Listen, this is what happens when a group of Jesus followers pray this way. And don't miss this. Not only pray this way, but are also willing to do whatever God asks them to do, even if it costs them their life. So the question is, how do we break this prayer down in a way so that you can remember it, use it to build your faith, so that when you face obstacles or any kind of opposition, you have the kind of big, anything but average faith that you need to keep trusting God during those moments? Well, here's what they prayed for. You can write this down because it breaks it down something that you can make it applicable and tangible this week, and that is this. They prayed for wisdom to know, they prayed for boldness to go, and they prayed for power to show. See, first of all, when, when they reminded themselves that God was sovereign, that he had made the world, that he predicted all of this would happen, what they were doing is they were acknowledging that God had the wisdom to know how they needed to handle every situation that they would ever face in their ministry and in their life. So every day, you get up and you pray that God gives you the wisdom to know who God is and where he is at work in your circumstances and what he wants you to do. Don't miss that. That's what you pray for. That you pray for the wisdom to know who God is, how he's at work in your circumstances, and what he wants you to do. Because here's the thing. When things get tough, it is so easy to forget that God is bigger than all the problems and all the obstacles you face. And it's easy to forget that he's still very active in the world, even if you don't see him active in your world in that moment. So the first thing that you pray, and you can write this down, God, give me the wisdom to know who you are, what you're doing in my circumstances, that you're at work, and what you want me to do. Give me the wisdom to know who you are, how you're at work in my circumstances, and what you want me to do. The second thing you need to pray out of this prayer that they represent for us, and that is this, the boldness to go. Because I think if most of us were honest, we would say that's one area that we lack in is the boldness or the, the boldness to speak boldly about Jesus Christ and who he is. So maybe your prayer would look something like this for the second part of the prayer. God, I need the courage and the boldness to act. 
I need the courage and the boldness to take this next step of faith because it is way beyond me and what I can do. And I just want to say, this, this is the critical point because to know what God wants you to do and not to do what he wants you to do, it has no lasting change in you or the people around you. You have to take a step of faith and act on what God wants to do if it's going to change you and God is going to do anything through you. So you ask for wisdom to know, and then you ask for boldness. And then third thing you do is you ask for power to show. This is your way of saying, God, would you unleash your power in my life so that I can do what you're asking me to do so that it is obvious to everybody around that it is you at work, it's not me at work? Maybe your prayer looks something like this. God, I want people to see what you do through me and be drawn to you. See, this is about God's power in your life being so obvious that it points people to Jesus and God gets all the credit. So there's your prayer. You, you, you go ahead and pray for whatever else you want to pray for. But every day, would you just take some time to say, God, give me the wisdom to know, to know who you are, how you're working in my circumstances, and what you want me to do. Give me the boldness to go. God, I need the boldness to act on what you want me to act on, and give me the power to show. Make my life represent Jesus Christ to the point that nobody questions that what is happening in my life is the power of God, and it points people to Jesus. See, these Three requests are what the early followers of Jesus prayed repeatedly, if you look at their prayers. And as a result, God worked through them, and it changed their world. And it changed our world. And here's what I want you to know. Whatever breaks your heart, if it's going to happen through you, you need wisdom to know, boldness to go, and the power to show. You need to invite God to work through you. You can never do what God wants you to do in your own strength and your own power. Listen, this is a prayer that will build your faith, change your future, and help you to know your Heavenly Father in a way that you never, ever imagined. But here's the thing. You need to be praying this kind of prayer daily, not because God needs the reminder but because you and I, we need this reminder. And, and my thing is, don't just pray this kind of prayer for this week and think God is going to show up and do something kind of amazing in and through your life. No, no. Pray it every day for the rest of the year and just let this be kind of come of be part of your prayer life every day for the rest of your life where you're saying, God, I need the wisdom to know, the boldness to go, and the power to show in this season of my life. And, and while you're praying this, we'd love for you to do one more thing. Don't just pray this prayer for yourself. Pray this prayer for our church as well. Because see, the dreams that God has just given us as a church for this next season, I, they're way beyond us. And they're absolutely ridiculous from a human perspective. So we all need the wisdom to know the boldness to go and the power to show. So pray it for you and pray it 
for our church. And can you imagine what would happen if God began to answer this prayer in all of our lives individually, and then he began to answer this prayer in our church family collectively? See, we have no idea what hangs in the balance if we all in this season begin to pray this prayer. In fact, for the past 28 years I've been pastoring this church, we have watched God do more than we could ever ask or ever imagine because myself and many other people who have been part of this church have continued to pray these kind of prayers for our church. Which is why today, I mean, we have this incredible opportunity, I believe, as we talked about for the last two weeks, that we're asking you to be part of another opportunity of making an impact in one of our communities where we have one of our churches in the Chipley area. And I shared with you the last two weeks, we've been given the opportunity to purchase the land and, and it's just going to expand our impact in the church, Chipley area, that church's impact in that area, and it'll give us 10 acres and the building, and we've agreed on the price, and, and we've agreed on a price right around 500000 So today, as I've talked to you for the last couple of weeks, we're launching a giving campaign. As I said last week, here's the thing, whenever we talk about money, I always do it with a lot of caution, and here's why. There are so many people who are coming to RCC or listening online for the very first time or you're just kind of coming back to church and you're starting to learn to trust a church again. So whenever money is talked about, it's really easy for people to feel that it's all about money. And I just want you to know, we are so sensitive to that. So here's the thing. If today is your first time or you're learning to trust the church again, we just want to make sure that you know that you are not obligated. This conversation is not for you. This, this is for this challenge that we're giving today. It is for the people who call RCC their church family, their church home. So once again, as I was saying, um, God has given us an opportunity to reach out to more people who need to experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, which is why inside your worship guide was a rise up and build commitment card. Now, for those of you who've been part of RCC for the last 15 years or so, uh, you are familiar with our Rise Up and Build campaign that we do from time to time. Um, we started using this campaign back in 2008 when we started raising the funding to launch this Mariana campus that I'm speaking from today in the Mariana High School. And think about it. We started this, we started this, the first campaign in the middle of a recession. And it was absolutely amazing because Bluntstown, you guys gave like 280000 to launch that first year to the Mariana campus. And so this campaign is really based upon Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, if you want to know where this comes from, where Nehemiah called the people of Israel to come together. Because what matters here is that we come together and do these things as a body because we can do so much more together. And he called them together to rebuild the wall, and they accomplished this amazing feat in like 52 days. So every time God has placed a new opportunity for us to make a significant impact as a church, uh, we just come back to this fund um, as kind of the foundation for how we together are going to accomplish what we could never accomplish alone. So we built out the building for the Mariana campus. Um, we came back together and said, okay, we're going to give to this fund. And so all along, some of you, you just always give to this fund. And that's why there's always some money in there to be used for some of these projects that help us get things off the ground. So for the past two weeks, what we've been asking you to do is fast and pray and decide what significant commitment God is asking you to make. For some of you, you're going to do a one-time gift today. For others of you, it'll be a weekly gift. There's a place where you let us know that or a monthly gift. For some of you, it's going to be $5 a week or $5 a month. Others of you, $25 a week or a month. Others, $50 a week or $50 a month or maybe more than that. As I said last week, if, if you hear 25 and you go, oh, I can do that, 
that's most likely not a significant commitment. Or if you hear 50 and go, man, I could do that, that's most likely not a significant commitment. Because here's the thing, we're so tempted to go, what can I do? Instead of saying, God, what should I do? And we think, well, if I say, God, here's what I'm going to do. He's just going to pat me on the back and say, hey, good job. And then we walk out feeling like we kind of did our God thing. But in this season, we really believe that with this significant opportunity, God wants us to make a significant commitment like we have done for so many times over these years. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to close out by giving you a moment to share with us what you are feeling that God is asking you to give to our Rise Up and Build Fund, which is above and beyond what you give in your regular giving to RCC between now and December 31st toward the purchase of the property in the building in Shipley. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, you're ready to give or part of what you're going to give um, as a commitment, and you can do that today as well. Um, but whenever you're ready to give to this, you make sure you give it to the Rise Up and Build Fund. So you can specify that whether you're giving on the RCC app or online or if you're going to use one of the giving envelopes if you're one of our churches. Now, what we ask you to do just if you're not giving today, but you're saying, hey, this is my commitment, we're just asking you to mark on this card what you feel like God is asking you to give for the rest of this year. Be sure and know this is not a pledge card. We're not going to contact you. We're not going to harass you. This will just give us an idea of the flow of the income that will be given toward the purchase of the land. And here's the thing. We have a place for you to put your name. We don't, you don't even have to put your name. We, the reason we ask for your name is so that we know it's a legitimate commitment. That's all we're saying. Uh, that's the only reason we need your name. It's not going to be put on some record or something like that. Um, we just want to know a timeline of what it's going to be like for the income. So everyone together, what I want you to do is go ahead and take out this card. And then sometime in these next few moments, write what you feel like is asking you to get, God is asking you to give on this card. And um, if you would love to participate, but you really can't because of some financial reasons, w would you just take this card and write on it and say, listen, I'm going to be praying for those who are going to be giving, that God will bless them through this process, and that God will continue to give us the wisdom to know, the boldness to go, and the power to show. Will you just be part of this as, uh, through prayer? Because here's the thing that I've learned from my experience over the last 20 years, 28 years. Every time I step out of my comfort zone, and I trust God to do what only he can do. He, he not only changes me, but he changes so many people around me as well. And what happens is my faith, it just becomes so much bigger. And my boldness, it just grows every time. And here's the thing. I want that for you. I really do. We, we want you to have the wisdom to know what breaks your heart and what breaks God's heart. We want you to experience the boldness and the faith to go and then act upon that. And we want you to experience his power working in and through you. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And then the bands are going to come out in each one of our churches. And they're going to lead us in a song that we really pray will challenge and inspire you to act on what we've been learning throughout this whole series. And there's going to be a video that's going to be on the side screens that... We want you to kind of just watch as well as you listen to the words of the song. And then while they're singing, I want you to feel free to mark on your card what you feel like that God is asking you to give to help fund the Chipley Land and building. Or you, and when you get done with that, you can leave them face down on your seat if you're at one of our churches, or you can place them in the giving boxes as you exit the auditorium from the church that you're at today. So make sure in the future when you're giving to this, make sure that you mark it for Rise Up and Build so that it goes into that fund. So that will be different than your general tithes and offerings that you give. So as they play and sing this next song, I really want you to just kind of be leaning into God and saying, God, 
Here's what I'm asking for myself and our church. God, give me the wisdom to know, to know who you are, what you're doing in my circumstances and what you want me to do, the boldness to go, to go and act and do what you want me to do and the power to show. May you be so powerful in my life that it is very evident that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and it is power working through me, but just not in my life, but also through our churches as well. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity that you have led us. God, your hand has been absolutely amazing of how you've continued to lead us to fulfilling the mission that you've called us to of leading people in a growing relationship with you by reaching people for Jesus Christ, equipping them with a faith that works in real life, and then sending them back out into this world to reach more people for Jesus Christ. God, that is what you have called us to do as a church. And we feel like that every time you open new doors, that that's just another opportunity to impact more people. And again, we want to step out in faith, get out of our comfort zone, and watch you do something that we could not do alone as we all come together. And we trust you to use us to continue to testify boldly that Jesus Christ is our risen Lord and Savior who lived, died, and rose again so that every man, woman, child, and student can have a relationship with God as their heavenly Father. God, we want that. And so help us to continue to have the wisdom to know, the boldness to go, and the power to show that you are our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.